in reinterpreting the Bible for his own ends. And this minister, the Reverend Ross, he declared that he was a phony. Well, what did Mr. Russell do? He sued him and took him to court. And there was another court case. Now, the lawyer for the Reverend Ross was a man called Staunton. And one of the very first questions that he asked in the court case, he asked him, do you know the Greek alphabet? And Charles Russell said in a haughty manner, yes. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. It is a joy to be on the air again to bring you the message of the gospel. Now, as I mentioned uh, already this week, that we are digging into the issues of the cults and other various religions. And through this month of March, we'll be looking at these various cults. We started off actually in our series in our church, which we're airing now on the uh, broadcast here. We started with the Nicene Creed, then the Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, Islam, Seventh-day Adventists, Roman Catholicism, Christian Science, Baha'ism, Sikhism, and then we took a look at the Free Presbyterian Church. Can we be considered as a true church? We've got to be willing to examine ourselves and see if we are in the true faith. So that's the series, and we want to air that through this month, and we begin today with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Perhaps uh, you are faced with these uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Maybe on a Saturday morning, they come around your door, they give out literature, they have a, a magazine called Awake, and they're very famous for their literature distribution uh, around the world. Uh, they could be seen in any country, they could be seen in many, many languages, and uh, giving out their uh, Watchtower magazine. Everything is controlled uh, from a central body, and uh, this is a very powerful organization around the world. But the question is, is it the true church, and does it present the true gospel? Now, the very fact that they call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses really is a misnomer, and it's a delusion, because they do not believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is Jehovah. They do not believe that he's God in the flesh. They believe that he was a created being. They believe that he came into this world uh, uh, for the very first time, uh, existed when he was born into this world. And of course, they make him out to be a, a, a leader and a teacher and so on. And yet they deny his teaching. So these things have to be examined very carefully and we have to do so lovingly. And if we have friends and neighbors who are Jehovah's Witnesses, our burden is to witness to them that we might share the message of the gospel in the love of Christ gently, graciously, and honestly, that they may be led into the truth. And so I trust that today, as we come to this message, that the Lord will use it in our hearts and equip us that we may stand for the Lord. Firstly, we have the hymn, Blessed Be the Name. Yes, we want to exalt the name of the Lord Jesus, not to not minimize it, but to exalt that name. And here is a beautiful hymn. May the Lord minister to your heart through it. Then we'll come to the message. 
listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and today we're looking at the Jehovah's Witnesses. Why are they a cult? Why are they a false religion? And why are we concerned about the souls of men and women, boys and girls, who are involved in the organization called Jehovah's Witnesses? Well, it's a misnomer. Uh, they do not re- represent Jehovah because Jesus is Jehovah. And in fact, every born-again Christian, every evangelical is a witness to Jehovah in the person of the Lord Jesus. But if we deny that Jesus is God, if we deny that he's the second person of the Trinity, indeed, if we deny the whole doctrine of the Trinity, and uh, we change the Bible into a new world personal Jehovah's Witness translation, then everything becomes spurious and the foundation is removed. Now, uh, we may always be concerned about branding, but this is not just a matter of branding. This is not just a matter of adopting a name that distinguishes them as a another branch of Christianity. This is another gospel, another message by which Uh, The works religion is propagated and not salvation by faith alone. Justification by faith alone is the foundation of the Christian church. And where that is denied, neglected, where that is even argued against and rejected totally, then they are not the true church of Jesus Christ. So stay tuned with us today as we get into the background, a little bit of the history of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses was commenced by a man called Charles Tease Russell. He was the founder of the JWs, but they did not get that name until 1931. He started 1870. And so for 61 years, these people were known as Russellites, followers of Charles Tease Russell. He, born in Pennsylvania, commenced his ministry there and began the, the Watchtower organization propagating this message of Russellism. 
But he was hit with three scandals. The first scandal was what was called the Miracle Wheat Scandal. And he was a man that was getting very rich, and he had a number of organizations, and the money was flowing to him. And the newspaper, the Brooklyn Daily Eagle newspaper, they put out a report of Charles Russell selling so-called miracle wheat for $1 per pound. And it was supposed to be able to produce five times as much as normal wheat. Well, they put out not only a, an article on this, but they put out a cartoon. I haven't seen the cartoon, but you can imagine the caricature of this man, Charles Russell, with this fantastic claim of wheat that produced five times more than any normal wheat. And for a dollar a pound, you know, way back in those days, that was phenomenal money. And he was drawing in vast sums of money, and he claimed that he was using this to fund his watchtower organization. Well, Charles Russell did something he must regret. That is, he sued the newspaper, and the case went to court. And the wheat was to be produced, and the Ministry of Agriculture, or the Department of Agriculture in the United States, they tested the wheat and found that it was no more than average. Nothing special about it whatsoever. And the Eagle newspaper, instead of backing down, they said, and they put in this little quote, that Pastor Russell's religious cult is nothing more than a money-making scheme. Well, he was overcame that, and there arose another scandal. There was a minister in Ontario, Canada, who put out an article against Russellism and uh, denounced this man as a false teacher, because here was a man taking Orthodox Christianity apart, dismantling it, in reinterpreting the Bible for his own ends, and this minister, the Reverend Ross, he declared that he was a phony. Well, what did Mr. Russell do? He sued him and took him to court. And there was another court case. Now, the lawyer for the Reverend Ross was a man called Staunton. And one of the very first questions that he asked in the court case, he asked him, do you know the Greek alphabet? And Charles Russell said in a haughty manner, yes. Then he was asked, can you tell me the correct letters if you see them? And the answer was, some of them. I might make a mistake here and there. And then he was asked, would you tell me the names of those on the top of page 447? And he was holding this up in close proximity to him. And Mr. Russell's answer was, well, I don't know that I would be able to. And then he was asked, you can't tell me what those letters are? Look at them and see if you know. And then he began, my way. Then he was interrupted by the uh, examiner, and he asked him point blankly, are you familiar with the Greek language? And Mr. Russell answered, no. And so he perjured himself under oath in court, 
claimed to be an expert in languages, in Greek in particular because so much of it was being changed in his uh, mission of new doctrines. He had to confess that he did not know Hebrew nor Latin. And here was a man that was reinterpreting, reinventing doctrines, supposedly from the Bible, putting new meanings to them, and yet all the while he was not equipped to be an interpreter, not even to read the original language nor cross-check them. And so that scandal hit very, very hard. But there was one more, another scandal. It was the scandal of his ordination credentials. And he was asked again in the same courtroom by the Reverend Ross's lawyer, have you ever been ordained as a minister? And his answer was yes. And then it was necessary at that point for the counselor to appeal to the magistrate that Mr. Russell would answer the subject directly because he was at this point prevaricating. And so he was asked, now you were never ordained a bishop, a clergyman, by a presbytery, council, or any body of men living. And the answer was, I never was. The only credentials he had was his self-made organization. He never was a minister ordained, or yet he claimed to be so. It's not that we're going to come down and say, you know, a, a lay person cannot teach and preach. But the point is here that he made the claim, even in court, under oath, and then had to come clean. Now, I bring you these points because there's one big claim that Mr. Russell made, and that is that he was the light to understanding Scripture. And here I want you to, I want to quote from his book called Scripture Studies. Furthermore, not only do we find that people cannot see the divine plan in studying the Bible by itself, but we see also that if anyone lays the Scripture Studies aside, that's the book he wrote, the Scripture Studies, if they're laid aside even after he has used them, after he has become familiar with them, after he has read them for 10 years, if he then lays them aside and ignores them and goes to the Bible alone, though he has understood his Bible for 10 years, our experience shows that within two years, he goes into darkness. Now, if that is not setting up his own self-made writings above the Bible, what is? And yet by a man who under oath in court said he did not understand or could read or identify the very letters of the original languages. And then he said this, on the other hand, if he had merely read the scripture studies with their references and had not read a page of the Bible, he would be in the light at the end of two years. So he was saying, if a person doesn't use the Bible but uses my book, scripture studies, he will be in the light. In other words, it's more important than the Bible itself. Now, miraculously, mysteriously, I would say, Mr. Russell survived those three scandals, the scandals of the phony wheat, the scandal of the claims to read Scripture, the scandal of his own credentials, and he pressed on. 
But the organization was plagued with the name Russellism. And after Russell's death in 1916, there was followed another man called Rutherford, and he maneuvered that they would get rid of the name Russellites or Russellism and change it to Jehovah's Witnesses. And so he dug up a text out of Isaiah 43, verse 10, and he took the name Jehovah's Witnesses in 1931. But what I want to do tonight, and you have a handout paper at hand, I hope, what I want to do tonight is to show you that although the Jehovah's Witnesses no longer call themselves Russellites, their doctrine is identical today to what Charles T. Russell taught. And we begin here at page uh, 79 of this handout. That's the first page. I, I want to, uh, 78 rather, uh, that's the first page on this one. And what you have here, uh, after 1931, they tried to get rid of Russellism because of all the, the baggage of the scandals of the past. And uh, you'll notice that while Russell is the founder, that the two systems, Russellism, Jehovah's Witnesses, are basically the same. And whatever differences do exist are minute. So what we're going to do is look down these comparison charts under the various headings of these different doctrines. What did Charles Russell believe about the triune God? Well, he said this view, the Trinity, suited well the Dark Ages. It helped to produce. The Trinity produced the Dark Ages? What a claim! And then in the new organization, the JWs, uh, they say, does this mean that Jehovah God and the Son are two persons, but at the same time one God, and members of a so-called trinity or triune God? When religion so teaches, it violates the word of God, rests the scriptures to the destruction of those who are misled, and insults God-given intelligence and reason. Now, we'll not deal with it at this moment, but I want you to circle the word reason. That's going to come up very, very important in our look at this tonight. He is claiming here that the Trinity is against reason. On the other side, Russell said, this theory of the Trinity is as unscriptural as it is unreasonable. And again, the word reason comes up here. The JWs agree with this. The confusion is caused by the improper translation of John 1, 1 to 3, such translation being made by religionists who try to manufacture proof for their teaching of a trinity. And so I'll not go on on that page, but you can see that as far as the trinity goes, Russellism, JWs, they teach the same thing. Over the page to 79, the deity of Jesus Christ. The Russellism taught our Lord Jesus Christ is a God. Still, the united voice of the Scriptures must emphatically, most emphatically asserts that there is but one Almighty God, the Father of all. And here's the problem. They say Jesus is a God, but He's not equal with the Father. He's inferior to the Father. Now, do the JWs teach any better? Let's go across 
on that page 79, second paragraph. At the time of his beginning of life, he was created by the everlasting God. Jehovah without the aid or instrumentality of any mother. In other words, he was the first and direct creation of Jehovah God. Do you remember what Arius taught? Do you remember the whole controversy of Arianism? He, Arian, taught, Arius taught, that Jesus is the first created being. Here's the same heresy embedded into Jehovah's Witnesses. Next uh, third paragraph on the same page, 79, left-hand side. The Logos, or Christ, himself was the beginning of the creation of God. This one was not Jehovah, God, but was existing in God's form. He was a spirit person. He was a mighty one, although not almighty as Jehovah God is. He was a God, but not the almighty God who is Jehovah. And so there you have a sample of, I would say, an increase or a further in-depth uh, continuation of denying the equality of the Lord Jesus. Do you remember the great word that uh, the Nicene Creed came up with uh, to teach that he is the same in being or substance? And Athanasius became the defender using that word. I talked about Dr. Henry Cook in the Irish Presbyterian Church, 1830s, 40s. They championed the cause of Trinitarianism with this word, homoousios, one and the same. And here we have in this cult, the absolute opposite. You have Arianism resurrected into their teaching. Down at the bottom, the resurrection of Christ. Our Lord was put to death in the flesh, but was made alive in the spirit. He was put to death as a man, but was raised from the dead a spirit being of the highest order of the divine nature. And then the JWs today, in his resurrection, he was no more human. He was raised as a spirit creature. What about Thomas? Did he not put his hands into the nails, pierced hands of the Lord Jesus, and become convinced, this is my Lord and my God? What are the men who saw the Lord Jesus ascend into glory? And the angel said, this same Jesus shall so come in like manner. And so this cult denies the bodily resurrection and thereby the bodily return of the Lord Jesus. The middle of page 80, uh, you have the physical return of Christ. And on the left-hand side, you have what Charles Russell taught. And in like manner, as he went away, quietly, secretly, so far as the world was concerned, and unknown except to his followers, so is this manner he comes again. What? Our Lord Jesus is coming silently? And they go on to say, uh, this Russell's idea of what Christ is saying and his teaching on the matter, he comes to us in the early dawn of the millennial day, seems to say, learn that I am a spirit being no longer visible to human sight. What does Revelation 1-7 say? When the Lord returns, every eye shall see him. He's going to come bodily, and he's going to come visibly. But this cult, Russell, 
denies that. Now, do the JWs today teach any better? Well, on the right-hand side, Christ returns not as a human, but as a glorious spirit person. So they, he will not come with his body, according to their teaching. Thank you for joining with us here as we have spoken on the Jehovah's Witnesses. This is the battle for the truth and for the gospel. The gospel is that Christ saves by grace alone, that it is not a process, but that redemption has been accomplished at Calvary. We are justified by faith alone. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says, Romans 5, verse 1. The cults and the Jehovah's Witnesses tell us that we need to go through a process, a process of joining their organization, being baptized with them, and going through the rites and ceremonies of the Jehovah's Witnesses' theories. I call them theories because, in reality, it is not biblical doctrine. Number one, they have rewritten the Bible. They have now the New World Translation, which suits their own ideology. They call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses, but in reality, they deny the deity of Jesus Christ, who is the Jehovah of the New Testament. When you read of the word Lord, L-O-R-D, capital letters, in the Old Testament, that is Jehovah, and our Lord Jesus is Jehovah. He has all the attributes of divinity and deity. He is omnipotent. Now, the great issue for the evangelical Christian and for the Christian church today is the doctrines of the gospel. What is it that makes a true church? Martin Luther said that the standing and falling of a church is the doctrine of justification by faith. Any group of people that denies that doctrine, that covers it over or neglects it, is not the true church of Jesus Christ. A peace settled by the blood of Christ at the cross, accepted by faith alone, makes us born-again Christians. And so, I do invite you to join with us each day here as we look into these cults, and tomorrow we'll be continuing with part two of this message, and so I trust that you'll stay tuned and join with us then. Now, if you would like uh, further help, you can go to our website for information, you can go to our website for CDs, or you can give us a call. The announcements are coming up now, giving all these details. May the Lord bless you richly through His Word today. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. 
We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604 897 2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m. here on the station as we let the Bible speak. Music